Hey guys, real quick. This is Ben. Caitlin's right here. Hey. And this is awesome. We just want to say thank you so much to everybody who listened to the trailer and the Dan Savage and Gretchen Rubin episodes last week. We were aiming for like some number of downloads in the thousands and we're like over 30,000 downloads right now. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It, my, I spent my entire weekend sitting in bed and hitting refresh on Simplecast stats. <laughs> <laughs> we just want to say thanks. Um, if you haven't heard those episodes, go check it out. Let's get into this uh, other episode, new episode with David Allen. And we're really excited to show you guys the rest of the season. Thanks, guys. Welcome to a very special episode of Simplify. I'm Ben Schumann-Stoller. Why is it special? Well, for one, it's sort of a follow-up episode to a beloved episode on the old Blinkist podcast, which was an interview with David Allen, the self-management and productivity writer, consultant, and one of Blinkist's spiritual guardians. But it's even more special because David Allen invited us to his Amsterdam home. We actually got to do this interview live, people. This is a podcast with visuals. Go to the Blinkist YouTube page and you'll see more. So David Allen is the originator of the Getting Things Done, or GTD, method. Wired Magazine calls it a cult phenomenon. Caitlin and I are, as you can tell, big fans. He's a guy who's had probably over 30 jobs. He's built a productivity consulting empire. All that despite being the self-professed, laziest productivity expert you'll ever meet. After the interview, uh, Caitlin and I go a bit deeper into the ideas and the books covered in this episode. So by the end of the episode, you'll have a really good mental image of why David Allen is so revered as a productivity expert and more places you can go to learn about why we think his approach is the healthiest approach to time management out there. Okay, let's get into it. Here's Caitlin and David Allen. All right. We are here in Amsterdam in the home of David Allen, writer of Getting Things Done, Making It All Work, and one more book whose name I currently can't remember. Ready for Anything. There we go, Ready for Anything. Um, talking for Simplify, Blinkist's new podcast. And David, could you introduce yourself? I'm David Allen. I wrote the book Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. I've spent 35 years trying to figure out how to get stuff done with as little effort as possible and how to get a clear head and you know get enough creative space in your head to do the really cool things that are meaningful to you. So 35 years of thinking about getting clear space in your head to do the things that are meaningful for you. What have you found people are spending an inordinate amount of time on? What are they doing that they don't need to be doing? Keeping stuff in their head. Okay, tell me Jeez. more about that. You know, oh, come on, your head's a crappy office. You know, it's for having ideas, not for holding them. And the, you know, the cognitive scientists have validated what I discovered just on the street 30 years ago, which is, you know, don't keep stuff in your head. It's in the wrong place. As a matter of fact, research has shown that if you keep more than four things just in your head, you'll lose track of them. You will, you will not have the appropriate relationship with them, with each other, et cetera. And, you know, basically you'll be driven by latest and loudest. Hmm. So just trying to convince people that you need to build the external brain to be able to manage the complexity and the sophistication and subtlety of our life and our commitments these days is just, I don't know how long I'll be preaching this, but folks just don't seem to be doing it. It's a big habit to change. Mm -hmm. How do you suggest they start to shift towards something that's more effective than keeping more Get than Get something things? called a pen. Get something <laughs> called a piece of paper. I know that's a radical approach for many people listening to this, but pen and paper. 
and then notice, wait a minute, what's on your mind that you can't finish right now as you think of it that you still might need to do something about? Write it friggin' down. Mm-hmm. Get it out of your head. So just to, just to capture the stuff to begin with, that's the first that's the first and critical step to begin with mm-hmm. is, is you, you got to start to externalize these things that are banging around in your brain. So that's the, that's the first step. You can't just leave it there, but that's the, that's the critical first one. Mm-hmm. How do you prioritize the things that you write down and record? Well, ask yourself why you're on the planet, what you're here to do, what really matters to you. you know? And that's a cool thing to think about. However, knowing what your life purpose is, is that going to help you decide whether you should buy cat food tonight or whether you need to cook spaghetti for your spouse or do you need to, or you should you sit down and, and, and hold the world back and write a business plan? You know, so trying to set priorities is a much more complex and intricate and detailed uh, kind of a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute kind of decision-making process than most people give it credit for. A lot of people would like a simple formula, basically <laughs> because they're lazy, as opposed to being accountable to moment-to-moment. Why are you doing this? Why are you talking to me right now, Caitlin? Is this the most important thing you need to be doing in your life right now? If not, you're not totally present. If it is, it just means you've looked at the rest of your life and said, hmm, this is the most important thing I need to do and for whatever reason. So that includes a whole lot, you know, that sounds like a simple algorithm or formula, but that includes a whole lot of, you know, what you and I both need to do, which is, wait a minute, we need to be aware of all the things we've committed to, take a look at the whole gestalt of all that game, and then say, hmm, given all the different variables and things that are going on, right now, this is the most important thing I need to be able to do. But again, back to the first point, if you're trying to do that in your head, good luck. Mm. <laughs> no way on God's green earth you could do that. But if you could at least get you know, a lot of that out of your head and take a look at it, then your intelligence and your intuition then start to come into play as opposed to your brain. Your intelligence and your intuition are what you need to then access. That's the part of you that will look at the 12 phone calls you need to make and make a good judgment call about that's the one I need to do first. Right? No computer can do that. That's your intelligence, your intuition. But trying to remember the 12 calls you need to make, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't do. So that's why the external system to be able to manage the options that you've generated in terms of here's all the things I need to do, here's all the things I need to be aware of, that you need to externalize so that you then free up your psychic or intuitive or spiritual or intelligent decision-making process to just look at all of it. See, anybody listening or watching this right now who's got a calendar, you've already acknowledged your brain can't do it. Why do you have a calendar? Oh, because I I couldn't remember all. No kidding, right? But your brain can look at your calendar over the next two or three, five, seven days or seven months and make some good, intelligent, intuitive decisions about what you need to be doing about your next holiday, about that thing that's due in two weeks or whatever. But trying to remember all the potentially meaningful data that needs to be part of your decision-making process. If you're trying to do that in your head, you're screwed. That is definitely true. So most important thing, get a pen and paper, write down what you need to get done so you can clear out space in order to do the higher intelligence kind of functions that you need. Well, yeah, there are some other steps too, Caitlin, that you have to build into that because you could write it down, but then if you don't do anything with those, you become a compulsive list maker and that doesn't help either. Then you, become, then you just have list everywhere and you know your, your head's still gonna be jumbled. So you have to go through steps two and three, very important, of how, to, how do I now clarify? I wrote down mom, I wrote down bank, I wrote down 
doctor. I wrote down babysitter. I wrote down dog food. <laughs> then you need to go through each one of those and go, well, excuse me, what exactly does that mean? And what am I going to do about it? What am I committed to finish about that? And what's the next step I need to take? That's the clarify step. Step two, in terms of how you get things under control. Mm-hmm. So step one is to identify what's pulling on you. Mm-hmm. Step two is to then make a very discreet decision about both outcomes and actions. Okay. So we've got capture, clarify. Can you yeah. reveal step three? Yeah. <laughs> what is it? If I say, hey, the next step on mom's birthday is I need to call my sister and see what she thinks about it, but I can't call her right now. Where do you park a reminder of that? So that's where organize is. Is when I have, I've now decided that there are things I need to be reminded of that I can't finish right now. Where do I park that? You want to stick it on a post-it on your forehead? Fine. You know, you want to hire 43 people to follow you around and say, hey, you know, Susan, would you please remind me to call? You know, yeah, that works. Too. I don't care. As long as you have some trusted place that you can park a reminder that you'll see at the right time. Mm-hmm. Just pretty simple to make a list. Hey, look, here's all the calls I need to make. Call sis about mom's birthday. Mm-hmm. And then you see that when you have phone and time. You know, duh. But that's what organize is, is basically once you've decided the things that you need to be reminded of, mm-hmm. you know, at the appropriate time, park them somewhere that you'll see them at the appropriate time. Yes. You know, my wife and I keep, you know, a post-it stuck over in the kitchen over there. Mm-hmm. So we say, huh, next time we go to the market or the store or whatever, mm-hmm. here's still what we need. We just write it down. Mm. Most people can relate to that. Most people probably are doing versions of that already, but why aren't you doing that with the rest of your life? This week on Simplify, we want to give a shout out to the Leverage podcast with Ari Mizell and Nick Sonnenberg. Ari Mizell, uh, if you guys don't know, he's a productivity expert, and uh, we had him on the Blankist podcast last year. He does this podcast with the co-founder of his Get Leverage company, a virtual assistant company, Nick Sonnenberg. Uh, They do this podcast, the Leverage podcast. It's got the best life hacks and productivity tips for Less Doing, More Living, which was uh, the name of Ari Mizell's first book. And it's really a go-to podcast. If you're into productivity and time management, you should definitely check it out. And uh, yeah, tell them we said hi. Let me back up. You said, ask yourself the question, why are you here? What is your purpose? Do you remember asking yourself what you really wanted to be doing? Oh, God. You know, I've agonized for, for, you know, at least... 30 years. You agonized. Agonized. Oh, it's like, oh God, am I doing the right thing? Oh my God, is it, you know, is God, but am I doing You seem doing... more settled in it now. How did you get comfortable with what you decided to pursue? I had a great friend who, who said, well, David, what experience are you looking? He, said, he asked me, first of all, what fantasy did I have? And I said, okay, where's my fantasy of doing? He said, well, what experience do you think that would give you? I said, hmm, well, I think. Wait that a would second, me... what was the fantasy? Fantasy of being president of the United States. Okay. I, when I was no big the, deal. When I was nine years old, I carried around a penny in my pocket all the time because Abraham Lincoln was on it. Mm-hmm. So he was my hero mm-hmm. because, at least from my nine-year-old perspective, he seemed to have done such great work on the planet, you know, and affected so many people in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So that was my—I guess—that was my sort of heroic image of what it was. Yeah. And so, you know, my friend asked me. He said, "Well, David, what do you think that would give you?" I said, "It would give me the opportunity to have people's attention." Mm-hmm. That so that I could communicate what I thought was valuable, you know, and attention in a positive way. And he said, well, what do you think you could do right now that would start to give you more of that? And that was the, when the light bulb went off and I went, 
oh, okay, well, let me start to do this. So as opposed to trying to agonize about the perfect thing to do, mm -hmm. I just said, what's the essence of what I wanted to experience? Mm -hmm. And what could I do right now as a real thing to start to move forward on? And I've never looked back. That was, you know, in my 30s. Oh, okay. What was that thing? The first. Frankly, I don't remember. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I just picked something. I just started moving. Mm -hmm. I started moving with a the with a positive framework of what I was trying to experience or create, and, and just kept going. You know, as opposed to being hung up trying to figure it out and make it right before I got moving. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and again, you know, I had a good bit of experience in the martial arts. You know, in early in my life, and if you're sparring in the martial arts, what you don't want to do is stop moving because it actually takes you more energy to start moving in any direction from a standstill than it does to change directions if you're moving. That's one of the reasons that GTD and the Getting Things Done methodology, I think, hits such a nerve because a lot of the next action thinking, what's the next step on this? Mm -hmm. Is that make a call? Is that talk to my life partner? Is that surf the web? Is that is that buy dog food, you know, you know, what's the very next thing I need to do? And getting yourself engaged in that, that's much easier to get engaged in those kind of activities. And then that gets you moving. And especially if you've picked those activities about something that's meaningful to you, like, hey, I love my dog, so I bought her dog food this morning. <laughs> that was so good. And we got great dog food for the little girl. She's so happy. So, you know, what's, what's important to you in your life, mm -hmm. you know, and then make a next action decision to make sure you're supporting those kind of things and th those activities. It, see, Caitlin, I mean, the, the secret to getting things done, and I'm only saying this so, you know, because you've got such a classy, cool audience listening and watching this, right? Totally. But the real secret is that it's not about getting things done so much as it's about getting appropriately engaged with your life. Hmm. What's appropriate engagement with your health? What's appropriate engagement with your dog? What's appropriate engagement with your partner? What's appropriate engagement with your business? The, the paradox is, I said it's not about getting things done. However, if you're here on the planet to get things done, then you need to be appropriately engaged in getting things done in order to be in your being. See, people have set up this dichotomy between being and doing. Mm -hmm. Well, the truth is, this is a doing level. The, the people that I know that are the most being people are highly doing people because what they're doing is engaging appropriately in what their commitments are internally or externally mm -hmm. so that then they can be in their being state. Mm -hmm. The whole idea is have nothing on your mind. That's pretty good. How often do you have nothing on your mind? Well, you're talking to it. <laughs> I mean, the only thing on my mind is this right now, okay. not all the others. Could there be other stuff? Oh God, come on. Come on. You want to see my list? I have tons of stuff. How long is your list? How many items are generally on it? Mm, I'm, well, now, because of the sort of change in my lifestyle a little bit, I've only got about 30 or 35 projects. You know, I've had as many as 80 or 90. How big is a project, though? How, well, pretty big. Okay. You know, a couple of them pretty big. One of them to get a watch repaired. Another one is to... Ah, you know, okay. So it's small and big. Anything that, that can't be finished with one step, I need to keep track of. Got it. You know, I just got a flat tire on my bike. And oh my God, in Amsterdam, you cannot have a flat tire on your bike. All right. As a matter of fact, you know, I was going to do it immediately even after this thing, but because I might not do that, I actually have to now track that called, you know, fixed tire. I don't know if that's a, a new tube I need. I don't, who knows? Yeah. So, you know, life is full of all the those infinite little little details, big details or whatever, mm -hmm. the, the trick is to keep all those things, again, externalized 
and then appropriately engage with them. Right? I need to appropriately engage with my bike mm -hmm. as well as appropriately engage with this huge project I've got, mm -hmm. which is to finish our global curriculum for the Getting Things Done methodology. So you call them all projects? Yep. Okay. Well, I call a project anything that I can't finish in, in one sitting, you know. Okay. So, Got it. You know, I had a project called Get My Eyes on Cruise Control. You know, because I, I just had two cataract surgeries, right, ah. left, right, left eyes. And I, over time, realized, wait a minute, I suddenly have this thing to do. So I said, I got an outcome. Let me get under cruise control relative to my eyes. Mm -hmm. And so I just had to stay appropriately engaged with whatever was next about making sure I got to that outcome. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, the simplicity, in, in a way, incorporates the subtlety of your life. You say, what are all those things that have your attention? You don't have to go very far to notice where to apply, you know, what I'm talking about here. Mm -hmm. Capture, clarify, organize. Mm -hmm. Just start to notice what's got your attention. Mm -hmm. While you've been watching this, anybody watching this, what's popped into your mind that has nothing to do with what Kate and I are talking about? Mm -hmm. That's the first place to start. Why did that pop into your head? Probably because there's something about it you haven't decided or you haven't parked the results someplace you trust. And this methodology is not about time. Time just is. That's just a thing. Uh, however, space in your head isn't. That's something you can either have or not. What my methodology creates is room. It doesn't create time. It creates room. It doesn't take any time to have a good idea. By That's the way. true. For anybody who isn't already familiar with your work, can you explain your methodology in just a, just a couple of terms? Sure. 20 seconds. You ready? Yes. Hang on. Go. Go. All right. Anything potentially meaningful to you, get out of your head in some trusted place. Sooner than later, decide exactly what it means to you, what you're going to do about it, if anything. Park the results of those decisions in some trusted system that you look at with some consistent basis so that you can then view the whole gestalt of all of your commitments and make trusted choices about what you do. Great. And this is called the David Allen methodology? <laughs> no, this is the truth. <laughs> okay. David Allen just happened to come upon it. Uh-huh. All right. We talked about this last time when we spoke on, on the podcast last year, but you, you searched for, you know, 30 years to figure out what your purpose was or what you wanted to be doing. If you could go, if you could time travel and go talk to 30-year-old David, 31-year-old David, what would you tell him? Relax. <laughs> Why? Talk about that. What was he worried about that he didn't need to be worried about? Uh, he, he wasn't trusting his own inner wisdom. How did no. you begin to talk? How did you begin to trust your inner wisdom? Relax. How did that happen? You're relaxed. Ask and listen. Who did you ask? Um, powers that be. Did you have Did you have mentors? I did. Big spiritual mentor. You know, I, I had a number of mentors over time, but probably the, the biggest one was a guy named John Roger, who was my spiritual coach for, golly, I ran across John Roger in 1971. Mm -hmm. So, you know, wound up hanging out with this guy for 45 years. Nice. How did you how did you find him? What what is the importance of a mentor in a person's life? Oh, I was just in trouble. You know, I'd <laughs> I'd fallen off the edge of the pier and into deep water, didn't know what to do next, didn't know where to go. So I was hungry to find out, you know, some bigger truth, some bigger things that were sort of behind the things that I discovered. I had tasted, you know, some aspects of, you know, what I would call you know, the more subtle spiritual truths of the universe. Mm -hmm. But that's not lightweight stuff. And But I didn't know how to get a hold of it. It, it, it made things seem weird and strange, caused me to kind of run off the rails, mm -hmm. you know, at some point. So I was very hungry to find who can help me understand what I've been going through mm -hmm. that, that, could be, that could be a help in that regard. And that's been true in, in 
you know, multiple forms with multiple people over my life. So, you know, uh, I could there's probably list them on at least two hands how many people that I've that I've used as mentors at and times when I really felt like I needed them. Um, you know, if your life is fine, you don't need this. You know, I just kept running off the rails given some inner drive that I was being driven to do or things I was looking for and searching for. Um, what do you think is the most distracting idea or misconception that people hang on to about productivity or about getting things done? Working harder. Yeah. What do they do instead? Capture, clarify, and organize. Yeah. And there's, you know, a lot of what especially these days people need to be aware of is speed up by slowing down. Mm. You know, your brain needs a rest. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, you, you, you actually have better ideas when you sleep on them just because of how the unconscious works and pulls that stuff together. And so a whole lot of, and certainly in the professional world these days, reflection time is the biggest need. Mm. You know, everybody's wrapped around the axle. Everybody's down in the weeds. They're just, you know, like, and then they just basically turn to toast. Yeah. Most people would get bored if you didn't have that kind of juice, you know, zooming in your life, especially with the millenn- you know, millennial plus cultures, you know, that are going on out there. Uh, the, the problem is, if you're not managing that appropriately, then you start to not be able to take advantage of the opportunities that are there. See, these days, if you know what you're doing, it's a great time to be alive. If you don't, you're toast. Because of the rate of change? Yeah. It's it's faster and faster. You have to regroup and recalibrate, integrate the new stuff that showed up in the last twenty four hours. Recalibrate. Okay, now what are my priorities tomorrow? You know, and 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 as opposed to being driven off latest and loudest. Mm-hmm. You do consulting to a certain extent. If you could change work culture for the average for the average knowledge worker, if you could change one thing about their day, what would you build into their day? What would you suggest they do to make it more manageable? And to be, for them to be doing better work. Uh, read my book, implement the thing. <laughs> you know, if you have a getting things done culture, it's quick and quiet. If you don't, it's insane. You know, these open office things are, in, are they work if people really know how to do work and how to define work and how to use the systematic process to manage the work process. If they don't, you're in interruptitis and it sucks. So that's the, that's the biggest suggestion I have is that people actually get their, get a clear head. Mm. Come on, what, what beats a clear head? You either have a clear head or you don't. If you don't, you'll be driven off latest and loudest. If you do, then you'll be making good intuitive judgment calls about what you need to do. It doesn't mean that's easy. It just means it's a lot clearer space to be able to then think from in terms of what are all my commitments, what am I, what's my job, what am I doing, mm. et cetera. It strikes me that in order to to create this sort of list of priorities um, and list of things that need to get done and then figure out how to act upon them, you have to have a lot of trust in yourself and decide that you do know what the right thing to do actually is. As opposed to what? Come on. I don't know. I mean, I think that... I think that um, You're doing it already. You're making 50,000 priority choices a day today, right now. You just decided true. that was the question to ask me. Mm-hmm. How'd you do that? That was the most important question. You could, you're making priority choices all the time. You I'm can't making stop a, doing I'm making that. a selfish choice because sometimes if, I, if I'm writing things down and I'm trying to figure out what to do next, I ask myself, do I, how do I know that this is the right choice? How do I know? How did, how did you develop that trust in yourself? Get moving and course correct. Okay. Mm. You know, half my life was, was trying to avoid engaging in anything until it was right. Mm. As opposed to 
you know, this is agile programming. This is Scrum. This is, you yeah. know, all that, you know, this is all that the hot stuff that all the, the startups and high tech folks are doing. They say, it's called get, get the friggin' going mm -hmm. and then course correct. Of course, there, there's a downside to that too, because you need to get going with some level of consciousness. Okay, that's the direction I need to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could pick a lot of directions to get going. So make the best judgment call you can. Mm -hmm. You know, so my advice is look, have as big a fantasy as you can. Say, if I were going to move, start to move on that right now, what would that look like? And then get going. You know, in, in a way, it's duh, it's that simple. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes I think people need to kind of get the, their life much more to that simplicity. Hey guys, this is Caitlin. So here's something I've learned from reading a lot of communication books. People usually want to give you what you want. You just have to ask for it. So here goes. Simplify is new, which means not that many people know about us yet, but we really want them to. We want good people, people like you, to know about us in particular. So if you liked what you heard, send them an episode, shout us out on Twitter or Facebook, and give us a rating in the Apple podcast store. Is that what it's called now? I think it is. Anyway, just let somebody know that you liked Simplify. And hey, thanks in advance. You helping get the word out means the world to us. I wanted to ask you about, about books that have inspired you. What have you read that has helped inform your thinking? Oh man, there's forever. I mean, I just probably dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of books. Once I dropped out of graduate school where books, you know, books were sort of your, 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 your merit badges, you know, essentially that you had how smart you were. Um, I, I've only picked up books just intuitively people recommended them or I, or I saw them in a bookstore and I said, you know, for some reason that just attracts me. There's been no particular path on that, but I seem to have been pretty good at just trusting my intuition about which book to read next. Mm. <laughs> One of the most fun, uh, delicious books I've read was The Hidden Life of Trees. Oh. Uh, absolutely gorgeous, wonderful book. I've ne I, I, I'll never see a tree again in the same way mm -hmm. after having, having read that. Uh, they have massive intelligence networks. Incredible. Right? It's, yeah. Incredible. They're interesting. So it's an incredible book and very well written, very easy read, mm -hmm. uh, very fun, very creative, wonderful. Um, I, 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 for anybody who's particularly in the high tech world or, or interested in the technology and the where, where the world is going and all that, I, I certainly recommend Kevin Kelly's book, The Inevitable. Mm. Um, the 12 inevitable trends that are going on now. He was a founding editor of, the, of Wired and he's written, you know, about, artificial intelligence and virtual reality and how many of those things right now are affecting us that we are at the beginning from his perspective we are at the beginning of something that will make the industrial revolution look like kindergarten yeah in terms of where the world is going and what we'll be able to do and so forth so that, that was a fabulous book to read yeah i what was really astounding to me and i think it's the inevitable was uh just the first principle becoming becoming as a constant thing now yeah. never, nothing is ever finished you'll never be good you'll no never you'll be never really be good, good you'll never be done how do you feel about that how do you feel about the idea of constantly becoming and never being or can you can you be Again, without if you know what you're doing it's a great time to be alive mm -hmm. if you don't you're toast that's, that's a lot of the good and bad news. It's the good news about what the world is giving us these days is there's so many more people that are now being so bombarded with so many things they have to make decisions about in that regard that it's forcing everybody to be much clearer about what their priorities are, mm -hmm. what matters, you know, what's important. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, in, in a way, we're, <laughs> it's kind of funny, we're, we're getting so sophisticated, we're moving back into survival time. 
just to stay sane with as many WhatsApps as you're getting, as many, as many, you know, Facebook things, as many tweets, as many whatever things are going on, you're having, you're just to survive, you're going to have to decide what's important and what's not. Mm. It's forcing you to make decisions about that. See, I've, I've said, if you hear one of my, you know, my TEDx talks, if you were in a crisis, you get to relax because you don't have any decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to survive. So you, ha- you just have to make decisions. You have to move on stuff and it gets you into your zone, mm-hmm. you know, actually in, in that kind of thing. If you're not in a crisis, it creates a bigger crisis. All the demons at the gate have now rushed through because how many things could you have served today, Caitlin? Oh my God, how many things could you have, have what, what kind of prep could you have done for this interview? And by the way, what did the neighbors just do? And oh my God, ah! mm-hmm. And then you have the stress of opportunity, stress which of is opportunity. what's burning a lot of people up right now. Opportunity stress. Can you? What is? What does that mean? And how do you deal with it? You have too much to do. Okay. Is it? Is it like FOMO? Fear of missing out. Sure. Hey, oh my God! You've got a two-year-old and you have a five-year-old, but your neighbors also have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and they're actually in a class that, and they're learning to 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 speak Italian, listening to Mozart. And oh my God, what are you? What are you missing out? Your kids are not going to get into Harvard. Oh my God. You know, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's how many things could anybody be doing that could be adding value to their life, especially right now? Come on, all, all you need is a keyboard and an internet connection, mm-hmm. and you have the world at your fingertips mm-hmm. in terms of how many things you could be doing, mm-hmm. how many places you could work. It's a virtual work world now. You could work anywhere in the world right now. Mm-hmm. But that, those are the opportunities. And the stress of opportunity is also you know, in a more constricted way, it would be how many ways could we run this project? How many things could we do on the software we're designing? How many people could we engage in as an advisory group in our company? You know, and so um, that's nothing new in terms of thinking about that, but because so many of those things are so available to us, and that's where, you know, uh, most people are feeling there's so many things I haven't done today that I could, should, might have, could, should, ought to have done. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where a lot of the pressure is coming from. So, you know, if you're not sure what you're doing, just run faster, mm. you know, and that's not the solution. And that's what a lot of people are trying to do. Harder, 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 faster, faster, get up earlier, sleep less, you know, da, 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 as opposed to chill, hang out, go for a walk. Get, you know, don't take your cell phone, don't take your smartphone for your walk. So people have opportunity stress. What what do they need to do to to not let that rule their lives? How how do you make a call about what is okay to stress out about and what is not? Write them all down. Okay. <laughs> Decide which ones are are really that you're that you're committed to move on. Mm-hmm. You need a map of all your opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, one of our favorite lists is the someday maybe list. What are all the things you might want to could would should ought to do? Just not right now, but you don't want to miss the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Climb Mount Everest, learn the tango, uh, speak Italian, uh, you know, who knows, whatever all those things are. So give yourself permission, to give yourself an hour or two and get a pen and favorite, you know, favorite pen and a great piece of paper or a big whiteboard or something and just start to ex- just dump it all out. Mm. God, I'd like to, you know, I'd really like to make sure that I handle elder care with my parents. I really need to make sure that I'm, you know, dealing with my college possibilities for the kids that are coming up. Wow, I really want to learn to ski. Wow, you know, da 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 da. It takes most people somewhere between one and twelve hours 
just to identify all that stuff. I know I've spent thousands of hours and I'm the best and brightest on the planet mm -hmm. doing that exercise. So there's a lot more there than you think. So that's a first step. That'll, that will then start to get you engaged in a much more conscious way going forward. Mm -hmm. What's on your someday maybe list? Can you give me just like three examples? God, on my someday maybe list. Take a balloon ride. Yeah? Yeah. Where yeah. would you want to take a balloon ride? I, I know it's a big know. thing I don't in know. Somewhere where you drink champagne and that would be very cool, obviously. And, you know, those are critical elements um, <laughs> uh, to it. Go to New Zealand. Haven't huh? been to New Zealand. Hike over the, the, the pass in New Zealand that's so, you know, gorgeous there. I'd mm -hmm. love to do that. Um, write my memoirs. Mm -hmm. At some point, I've got a crazy life that I'm not willing to share everything about that with people until I don't, until I am not risking my professional career to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, well, we'll stay tuned for that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Welcome to the bookend where we end with books. Hooray! <laughs> it's now real. Okay. Uh, David Allen, one of our favorite humans in the world, right? We love David Allen. We do love David Allen. So let's talk about this interview for a second. Um, what do you, w w what's the takeaway here? What can we, what can we wrap our minds around? Mm -hmm. Well, A, that David's dog is really cute. There's one thing. <laughs> No, but the, the real the real main takeaway is um, we basically got David's three-step plan for getting things done, which is, are you ready, Ben? Go for it. Okay. Capture, clarify, and organize. It sounds really, really simple, but it, it eludes us so often. And I think that's because we just forget how simple it is to start and how little pressure we actually need to put on ourselves when it comes to capturing. You just write it all down what David calls in his book, The Brain Dump. No judgment, and just you figure out what it all means and how to prioritize it later on. So start with capture, move on to clarify, and then you start to organize in order to move on your goals. Capture, clarify, organize. Mm -hmm. Capture, clarify, organize, CCO. Um, we should add, if you want to listen to the first interview that Caitlin did with David Allen last year already, more than a year ago, yeah. which I highly recommend you do because it's amazing. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes so you can check it out. Mm -hmm. I think that everyone should listen to that. So why did you really want to talk to David Allen, by the way? We wanted to talk to David because when it comes to to simplifying work and productivity, I think this guy has the simplest view on it just in general. Is that, that the Capture, Clarify, Organize or the... Or the... The, his Yeah, capture, clarify, organize. But I think, honestly, it all just starts with capture. One of the things that he says in the last interview that we did and is all over his books is that your brain is a thinking tool, not a storage device. And it's that is just the most elemental productivity advice you can possibly get. And once you understand that, that you need to get all of those those extra thoughts that are that are rumbling around in your brain out, and you've put them in what he calls a, a trusted space, I think, or a, a trusted storage device. So like paper, or right. I don't know, an Evernote, whatever you use, I put everything in Evernote, I write myself emails and drafts all the time of stuff I have to do. But once you get it out somewhere, then you're good to go. And you have the capacity to do so much more. So to me, that is the ultimate and simple advice. Also, just Wanted to talk to David again because he's he's a good time and he, I think he has good advice. Yeah. Um, so let's get it. Let's talk about some specific books. Let's do it. Like 
um, we definitely want to recommend the David Allen book. So maybe I can start by just talking about getting things done because we talk about it a lot and maybe it's time that we, we, we revisit just really quickly what that book is. Like it's when I first started at Blinkist, it was um, handed to me and I have since ordered 10 copies of it for the office for other new people. Um, like the, the famous subtitle, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity, um, reveals a lot about David Allen. You kind of get this feeling in the interview that he's chill. But the I think the thing that you said about the brain as a thinking device, not a storage machine, is really the point. Because you, in getting things done in the book, um, he explains a way to sort of make lists in a way that help you finish them, right? And not just a way to organize your time, mm -hmm. but to actually accomplish things in a way that makes sense, like from a focus on getting things done, not on a focus of making pretty lists or saving time, but a focus on like completing tasks. Mm -hmm. um, that's why it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, we have to recommend that people start with getting things done. What, um, maybe two more books? What else, what else you got? Totally, I have two more for you. Okay. So the first one is Finding Your Element by Ken Robinson. Um, Ken Robinson is a, a speaker, a writer, he's an educator. You might've seen his TED Talks on human creativity. Uh, Finding Your Element is a book in which he offers advice on how you might discover your true passions and talents, then reorient your life to make more time for them. Um, I made this connection between Robinson's idea of accepting the unpredictability of life, because that gives you lots of new opportunities to achieve your goals, um, and David Allen's idea of remaining in motion so that it's easier to take off into a new direction. Um, which he talks about in this interview, and he also talked about last time around. So this is one to to find and get comfortable with your own unique talents, this read. This is cool also because, like I said, David Allen's philosophies are not about like shave off an hour here, shave off an hour there. It's really like a holistic approach to how you do stuff. How, how you, you move through a day, basically, and right. how to actually accomplish things as you move through a day. And that means building space for unpredictability, building space to be creative, not just like, here's every 15 minutes from nine to five where I'm going to be as productive as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that I, I just find that such a nice, feels good. It's like, freeing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the things that he kept saying was, I'm lazy. I love to be lazy. Yeah. And he has lists and he has a proven methodology for doing the things he needs to do so he can be lazy as often as possible, which is right. lovely. And the last book you have was like this huge hit, right? Huge, huge, huge hit. Um, so the last one is The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. So this pick is inspired by David Allen's actual living space, which I was in, in Amsterdam. Um, it was lovely. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> Thanks for inviting us over, by the way, David. Um, it was lovely and it was comfortable, but it wasn't ostentatious. There was nothing there that didn't need to be there or serve a, a very clear aesthetic anchoring purpose or, or a functional purpose. I felt like it was a place that had been comoried or just very intentionally curated. So if you haven't read or heard of The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, or if you have and you think it's just a guide to decluttering, it's not. It's more than that. It's a bestseller that's changed lives in Japan and the U.S., and it outlines Marie Kondo's Shinto-inspired komari technique. It'll help you shape your living space to positively impact all the aspects of your life. So basically, it's about external decluttering in order to clarify and organize your inner world. Which is something obviously we love and simplify. There's a there's a little piece in there about like saying goodbye to old books. Oh like yeah. Like when I bought this book, it was that was the right time. Now mm -hmm. it has served its purpose. Mm -hmm. I'm never gonna read it. I never wrote it. I never read it. Yeah. Um, 
I bought it at the time because I thought I was going to read it. Mm-hmm. Now I have to let it go because it's taking up space and it's like making me feel bad yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that. Yeah, that's nice. It is nice. Okay, well then let's let's go right into the outro from there. Sounds great. Thanks for listening to Simplify. This episode was produced by me, Ben Schumann-Stoller, Caitlin Schiller, Nika Mavrodi, and Odie Constantino, who wrestles bears for fun, but no longer for profit. If you enjoyed this episode and feel you learned something, hey, think about sending it to someone who might also learn something from it, too. We're really grateful for those of you who subscribe to Simplify on Apple Podcasts, the Play Store, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Pocket Pocket, Casty Cast, etc., etc. Big shout out to those of you who've left us ratings um, and reviews. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment to add a review or a rating, we'd be very appreciative. That's very nice. That's how we spread the word. But honestly, more important is just tell somebody about it. If you don't already know, Simplify is made by the same people who make Blinkist, a learning app that takes the world's best-selling nonfiction books and condenses them into focused little capsules of audio and text you can listen to or read in just 15 minutes. And uh, we set up a voucher code so that people can actually try it out and get 14 days free. That's two weeks. Whoa. Look at my math. <laughs> by going to Blinkist.com slash friends and typing in voucher code clear space. That's one word, clear space, C-L-E-A-R-S-P-A-C-E. And shoot us an email. Shoot Caitlin and I an email at podcast at Blinkist.com. Tell us what's on your to-do list. Maybe we can help you process it or give you our favorite David Allen piece of advice. Next week, there's a new episode of Simplify, so check back on Thursday. In the meantime, be good. This is Ben and... Me, checking out. Checking out. Bye. Later. Later.